This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In 1962, William Branham allegedly had a vision of a spiritual event that was about to take place west of Tucson, Arizona. Five angels, specifically five, would represent the word grace. Because in the English language, the word grace has five letters. In this vision, a blast was to happen south of the position where he was hunting, and it would be so loud that it sounded like an airplane breaking the sound barrier. After preaching a sermon entitled An Absolute in Houston, Texas on March 4, 1963, Branham said that he went back hunting in Arizona. The trip from Houston to Arizona would lead many followers astray for years and years to come. In hindsight, he probably never should have recorded the sermon that was in Houston, Texas. He should have never said that the hunting trip occurred after the Houston meeting on March 4th, because the dates themselves would eventually be evidence of his deception. <clears throat> Regardless, Branham made these statements. His, pro his prophetic gift could not produce enough divination to see what was about to happen next. A magazine article was going to be published. He wasn't immediately aware that the article was about to be published. Otherwise, he likely would never have said these things, likely never would have recorded the Houston sermon. At the same time that William Branham was heading back to Jeffersonville from the hunting trip, a UFO chaser by the name of James McDonald was investigating an event that happened in northern Arizona, far from William Branham's hunting location. During the 1960s, James McDonald personally interviewed over 500 UFO witnesses and the event in northern Arizona caught his interest. 
McDonald himself was preparing information for a UFO hearing that would later be held in the United States Congress in 1968. Events similar to the one in northern Arizona were filling pages and pages of extraterrestrial evidence. But there was just one problem. This cloud was not a UFO. Through his in initial investigation, it was published in the magazine as unexplainable, but it was not an unidentified flying object. He later abandoned all research of this event and went and chased after other UFOs. Branham, still unaware of this mystery cloud, unaware of James McDonald's research, and unaware of the magazine article, headed back to preach a series of sermons in Jeffersonville on the seven seals of Revelation. He had a very successful hunting trip. He was able to convince a jury to keep a photographer off of death row in Houston, and he was ready to ease back into home life in Jeffersonville. Taking several quotes from Clarence Larkin, Branham combined Larkin's study of the seven seals with the book of Revelation, and he called it divinely inspired. Still unaware of the event in northern Arizona, Branham tied his original vision of the blast with those five angels that represented grace, G-R-A-C-E, to how God gave him this revelation of the seven seals. The revelation itself has confused followers for years. While pastors keep telling their congregations that Branham opened the seven seals, the congregation themselves who study their Bibles know that none, none was able, was worthy to open the seals, except the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ. That's in the book of Revelation. They're also confused by the Revelation itself, because besides the works of Clarence Larkin and the Bible quotes, there really is nothing new in these sermons. Absolutely nothing. In fact, most of the sermons focus more on the hunting trip and this blast than they even do the seven seals of Revelation. Still completely unaware of the event that happened in northern Arizona, several sermons follow. The spiritual event that he speaks of is not heavenly. He describes seeing a mist rising up off the ground. This mist supposedly rose up into the heavens and formed the perfect shape of a constellation in the shape of a pyramid, just like the original vision described. There is one difference, though. At this point in time, there were two additional angels. You see, Branham made a mistake. He forgot when he tied the number 5, G-R-A-C-E, to these angels because he was more focused on this hunting trip, how he was going to get his next victim, than he was the fact that there were seven seals. There had to be seven angels, not five. 
So the vision, vision had to change. William Branham had to basically had to describe an angel for each one of the seven seals because he taught the breach between the seven church ages and the seven seals, and they tied them together. And the seventh angel had to be the one that he described as having a puffed-up chest. He was the mightiest of them all. These seven angels, according to William Branham, they met him one by one by one in his study, he claims. Before each sermon, there was supposedly an angel meeting him in the study, and he gets a bit confused when he describes the seventh one. Because he was supposed to be the seventh one. So he essentially has himself as the seventh angel talking to himself as the seventh angel. And which one has the puffed up chest? Although he claims to know absolutely nothing about what was contained in each seal before the sermon, there really is not that much described other than what Clarence Larkin was able to read himself from the book of Revelation. It actually would have been really interesting to see what William Branham could have came up on his own. Had he not been studying Clarence Larkin to get these ideas, what could he have come up with that was new and exciting besides what Clarence Larkin already got? But on the other hand, Clarence Larkin seemed to do a pretty good job of getting the facts from the Bible. After William Branham was finally made aware of the event that took place in northern Arizona, everything changed. Well, everything except the number of the angels, of course, it had already changed. The event no longer happened to the south. The cloud was up north, not in the south. It had to be the north where the cloud floated. The angels no longer flew over to Jeffersonville. They flew from where he was standing all the way up into glory because it had to form the face of Jesus. And remember, it no longer formed the shape of the pyramid. You see, the pyramid constellation over time slowly changed from a pyramid of five into the face of Jesus with seven angels. His hunting location, it had to be as far north as he could get away with. It had to be as far as he could get away with without the people catching on to what he was doing, to the changes he was making. Hypothetically speaking, the problem that is presented with this would not have been so bad if it weren't for what comes next. This spiritual cloud and all of the associated events begin to turn into an idol. During the remaining years of his life, William Branham would focus several times on this spiritual event, several sermons multiple times within each sermon. If you go back and you study 1965, pull up any sermon you want, and watch how many times he talks about the cloud, about the halo, me, myself, and Branham. Look it up for yourself. 
multiple events would eventually start being combined into this mystery cloud, ranging from the Alaskan earthquake to the king sword that he claimed to have held in his hand. Churches, they would start replacing the cross of Jesus Christ with photos of this cloud, idols in their churches. Cult followers would place this idol in their houses, in their cars, in their wallets. Worst of all, this idol would be placed directly in their hearts. This reminds me exactly of what happened in Ezekiel 14. Ezekiel says, Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have taken idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of iniquity before their faces. This is exactly what the Branham cult has done. They've taken the entire smoke trail from a rocket detonation and they've placed it as an idol in their hearts. Not only does the idol have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ, this idol has absolutely nothing to do even with William Branham. Ezekiel says, Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them, God speaking? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus saith the Lord, any house of Israel who takes idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of idols, that I may lay hold to the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me, let me repeat that, who are estranged from me through their idols. Think of it. Estranged from God through their idols. Is this why we see the Branham cult in such conflict today? Is this the reason that no two Branham cult churches can agree or even fellowship? Is it because the cloud idol is within their hearts? Has this estranged them from God? Ezekiel continues, God speaking, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, Repent, and turn away from your idols. Turn your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates themselves from me, taking his idols into his heart, and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, the Lord, will answer myself. Now that's the part that bothers me. God is very angry with idolaters. God wants to be worshipped by us alone. He does not want to be worshipped with the full focus of our devotion being split by something else. God wants us focused on Him. He does not want to be shared with some cloud that we carry in our hearts. 
We need to be focused on Jesus Christ. He says, And I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword, and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. Let me repeat that. If the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. I will stretch out my hand against him, and I will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. Think of that. God is no respecter of persons, not even a prophet. If the prophet is deceived, it is because God disowned him, and God will destroy him in the midst of his people. God says through Ezekiel, and they shall bear their punishment, the punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike that the house of Israel may no more go astray me, nor defile, the, defile themselves with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, declares the Lord God. As Christians, we should ask ourselves, once we learned that this cloud had absolutely nothing to do with William Branham, did we still hold that cloud as an idol in our hearts? Pastors, who have admittedly known this for years, some of which who do not even hang the cloud idol in their churches because they know that William Branham was not there, I'll ask this, do you still hold this idol in your hearts? to the headquarters, the headquarters of the denomination that is now called the Branham Church or Branhamites. Now that you know that all of these people are aware that you have lied for years to all of these people, all of these years, do you still hold this idol in your heart? When you see what God did to this prophet, do you not fear the words from Ezekiel? The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike. We saw how William Branham died. Every one of us has seen that picture. We know that he was a false prophet. Almost every single one of his prophecies, beyond a shadow of a doubt, were completely his own words, changed over time. We know he's a false prophet. We know he has false spiritual events. We know he has absolutely nothing to do with the cloud. Yet this organization pushes him as though he is God's servant. Does this not bother you? Are you so deceived that you do not even care that you carry an idol in your hearts? Think about that.